The second Bible reading is from Esther chapter 9 verses 1 to 22. On the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. No one could stand against them, because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators, helped the Jews, because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with a sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed Pashendatha, Dalphin, Aspatha, Poratha, Adaliah, Aradatha, Pamashtha, Arzai, Aradai, and Vezatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. The numbers of those slain in the citadel of Susa were reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men and the ten sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, Give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict, tomorrow also, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on gallows. So the king's command commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. The Jews in Susa came together on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa three hundred men, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed seventy-five thousand of them, but did not lay their hand on the plunder. This happened on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. The, Jew the Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the thirteenth and fourteenth, and then on the fifteenth they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. This is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observed the fourteenth of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day for giving presents to each other. Mordecai recorded these events. He sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar, as a time of when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as a month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy, in giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Well, this is the final talk in our series on the book of Esther. It's a very important one, but let's pray once again that God may help us. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you help us see how you were working in the time of Esther and what we are to learn about you and what we are to believe about you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever felt that God is far and distant or silent? Or just hidden away if you've ever felt that way I suspect for many of you it is now but where is God in all of the mess we're experiencing I mean is God indifferent does God not care about the plight of the world 
And, and I don't just mean the pandemic, it is crazy. On last count, there were over half a million cases around the world and over 27,000 who have died. And I suspect for many of you, it's not just the experience of social distancing or the health concerns or the financial strain. On top of all of that, some of you are bearing worries and burdens and anxieties and fear. And so we want to ask the question today, are my feelings, if they are my feelings, are they true? That God is indeed hidden and far away, much like what our world would think. I mean, there's not much talk about God at all, nor would we expect them to. And so how are we meant to think? How are we meant to feel? What are we meant to believe? But this is why the book of Esther is so important, especially now. You see, God gives us what we need to hear when we need to hear it. So it's in the providence of God that we're looking at Esther now. Because what do we learn and find in the book of Esther? What we do learn and find is that God is not distant nor far, never absent, but always working for the good of his people. But you see, in the book of Esther, it's like what we experience in the world today. There are no prayers to God, no praise of God. There are no prophets or signs or miracles from God. But what we do find in the book of Esther, which remains true today, is that though God seems hidden, he is far from absent and always presently working. And that's what we've seen so far in the book of Esther. You see, when we look at the book of Esther, it takes us about 15 minutes. And, and when you read it like that, you can see the coincidences there and there and there and there. But we can't forget that the story of Esther was stretched over a 10-year period. And so imagine, if you were living in that 10-year period, it would feel far from a coincidence, but just life happening. And so it was easy for them to feel like, well, God's nowhere to be seen. And it's easy, perhaps, for us now to feel that way as well. But here, the book of Esther shows us that all along, God was not absent but working to give victory to his people and to turn their sorrow into joy. And that's what we'll see. As he got work to bring victory to his people, do, do you notice that? By the end of the book, we're at the end now. It is God who gets the last word. It is God's plans and purposes that will prevail. It, it's, it's what God says that will be done and he will do it for his people. And we see that in the story. You know, at the beginning, it was Haman who was elevated to power and prestige, but by the end it was Mordecai. In the story, it was Haman, who, I mean Mordecai, who was meant to be executed at the gallows, but by the end it was Haman. And in the beginning, it was the entire Jewish race who, who were meant to be destroyed in this freakish genocide, but by the end, they were victorious, they defended themselves. You see, that is to teach us and remind us that God was never absent. And that's why it was no accident that when Esther approached the king, in verses 3 and 4, she was not executed. But instead, surprisingly, she was given the right to write a new edict in the name of the king so that the Jews can be defended. So that by the end, what do we see? The oppressed became the victors, not by luck, not by chance, but by the will of God. Though he was hidden, he was never absent, so much so that even those who were not Jews wanted to become Jews. And we see this in chapter 8, verse 17. Have a look with me. Verse 17. 
in every province and in every city, wherever the edict of the king went, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. It's just like that classic underdog movie, you know, like Rocky or liking, only that this was true. And we see the total reversal, the total reversal from oppressed to victor. God was not hidden and never absent, but working to bring victory. But not only victory, God turned their sorrow into joy. There's great joy and celebration now. And we have to imagine how great that joy must have been. Imagine state-sanctioned genocide, ethnic cleansing. We're to think here the Armenian genocide. Think the Holocaust. Think the atrocities of Auschwitz. But then to imagine all of that was to stop before anyone was killed. And if that was to happen, of course you celebrate. And that's why here we see Esther and we see Mordecai. They establish a, a festival, a Jewish festival to remember that. It's the Festival of Purim, celebrated only a few days, a few weeks ago, in fact. And so we see this in our passage. So have a look with me now. Chapter 9, verses 20 to 22. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Ada, at the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. And so when we read this story, what are we meant to think? God not mentioned once, not prayed to, no miracles, no visions, no prophet, but the day that was meant to be for the slaughter of the people of God was ordained by God to be a day of joy and celebration. The book that began with the banquet of the king now ends with the banquet of the people of God. You see, God was not hidden and not absent, but he was presently working. And so that is the story of Esther. You see what we learn about God from this book. And it's what we need to remember today, especially now, what we learn about God. You see, how much of our world will be aware that God is not absent as we even consider and think and watch you know, the hospital beds filling up, the number of cases skyrocketing, doctors and nurses and healthcare workers all in the deep trenches, not with enough equipment or protection, the government feeling at a loss, hospitals can't cope, the economic fallout. Do you think, like much of our world, where is God in all of this? Is he hidden? Is he absent? What could God possibly do now in our current crisis? Well, if you feel that way, I do not blame you. And again, that is why we need the book of Esther, especially now. For it is the same God who remains sovereign, in control over the world he has made, and working still today for the good of his people. You see, nothing we're experiencing now took God by surprise. It, it took us by surprise but not God. Now, this is not to say that 
Like in this story, we will all end up like Esther or Mordecai as heroes in this crisis. Well, that will be the wrong way to understand it. You see, both Esther and Mordecai, they were flawed people themselves. I mean, just consider Mordecai. You might say he was a man of integrity to not bow his knee to Haman. But, but you have to consider, was it also pride? or stubbornness or arrogance that started this domino effect and started the mess in the first place or even esther now of course we have to feel sorry for her maneuvered around by mordecai her cousin but she was objectified she was placed in a harem and yet she went with it you see they were flawed people themselves just like abraham the liar just like david the adulterer just like jonah the heartless prophet you see, in this story, like it is today, if there is to be any hero, it is God himself. God is always the hero. Hidden, yet never absent. But working for the good of his own people and for his own purposes. You see, that's what we're meant to understand. Instead of that, we're meant to remember the truth that remains true today. And that is, if it feels like God is hidden... He's never absent. We have to remember that even now. And we already see this in little ways, don't we? Even in our church community. Many of you placed in positions and roles with skills, perhaps for such a time as this. I mean, for many of you, did you know that your technical skills would be so valuable to make our gathering online possible? But perhaps God's using you in such a way and God has used you in such a way. And for some of you, did you know that your administrative skills would be so valuable, not just before this season, but now, as you're helping us coordinate ministries and helping each other stay in touch, loving our elderly members? Or some of you in healthcare, doctors, nurses, allied health, your years of training, very important even before this season, but especially important now. Or, or for some of you working in the supermarket, stacking shelves, that's an important job now, isn't it? Or for some of you in banking and finance, applying the wisdom God has given you to serve our community, to make wise economic decisions for the common good. And of course, all of you at home, you're using your opportunity to love your neighbours, to stay in touch, to serve, to bring glory to God. And of course, even you children, listening in, you too have a purpose, lending a hand, living out that the life God has given you in service of your family, those around you, and to the glory of God. But they are the smaller ways in which we already see God working to bring about his good purpose. But we can't forget the bigger purpose, the greater purpose, and that is to bring victory and joy to his people. Now, I don't mean here that somehow we'll end up as victors over this coronavirus, because I suspect in time, We'll know of people who will get sick, and we may even know of people who die from it. I, I don't mean that we'll be victors over this virus, but what I do mean is that God has been working since the very beginning to bring victory and joy to his people ultimately. A victory and a joy, that means even in the face of the coronavirus even in the face of death itself, even in the fear of that virus, we are to remember that God is not absent, 
And God has already, in fact, achieved that greater purpose. And wasn't that achieved at Easter? We'll celebrate that soon enough. But Easter, when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to defeat our greatest enemy, my greatest enemy, not a virus, but the sin that will condemn us, the decay that will rob us, the death that will finish us, and the hell that will torment us. You see, though God seems hidden, he is never absent. And that was especially true when Jesus was hanging there on the cross. You see, no one knew that God was doing anything then. The Jews, the, the soldiers, the chief priests, Pilate, even the disciples did not see that God was not hidden and not absent, but at work, even when Jesus was there hanging on the cross. God bringing about his good purposes. And what was that? It was the salvation of souls. It was to defeat our greatest enemy, to bring victory of life and eternal joy to those who believe in him. And so let me ask you today, do you feel that God is far, distant, hidden? Because he's not. He's not absent, nor will he forsake you. In fact, it was Charles Spurgeon who once said this wonderful quote, and I love this. You may fear that the Lord has passed you by, but it is not so. For he who counts the stars and calls them by name is in no danger of forgetting his own children. He knows your case as thoroughly as if you were the only creature he ever made or the only saint he ever loved. Approach him and be at peace. I mean, don't you just love that? Or perhaps my favorite part of scripture, to encourage you, to spur you, to remind you that nothing now, now or in the future will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And it comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. And we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, even like this coronavirus, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then we read on. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are the victors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, even if we were to die by this virus, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, even in our isolation, nor the future, even the economic turmoil, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, ultimately, even if we do not feel it now, we are more than conquerors our sorrow will be turned to ultimate lasting joy. God is never absent and he is presently working even now. And how much do we need to not only know that with our minds, but believe it in our hearts? Well, that is my prayer for you. 
and let that be the prayer we pray for each other. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is such great comfort to know that there is nothing at all in heaven or on earth that will separate us from the love of Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll give us comfort and peace during this season. Remind us of those truths that you are not hidden and not absent, but now, even now, presently working for your own glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.